Welcome to This is What Democracy Sounds Like, a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United in St. Louis. This episode features highlights from a panel discussion hosted by Expo St. Louis about Missouri Senate Bill 61, which would make the expungement of the criminal records of those who have completed their sentences easier. Expo organizers Latrell and Tracy Stanton talk with Johnny Waller, who has been impacted by current expungement laws, Martin Hutchins of Art City Defenders, and Senator Brian Williams, the sponsor of Senate Bill 61. I want to thank everybody who is who has joined Expo in our discussion about Senate Bill 61, expungement expansion. Um, I just want to say that Expungement is a topic that's not really sexy or exciting to a lot of people, but it is a vital tool and an underutilized tool. So today we have gathered here to inform people, formerly incarcerated people, those affected by the justice system, of what a tool it can be. Um, We know what it can be like to exit prison and try to restart your life. We as Expo, ex-incarcerated people organizing, would like to contribute to building a path of the easiest resistance for formerly incarcerated people to have a successful life after prison. We know that the uh, convictions on your record can hamper um, you advancing your life after prison. It can stop you from getting housing. It can stop you from getting a job that's paying the living wage. It can stop you from getting some licenses and a bevy of other things. And we see expungement as a tool to help you remove those blemishes. And as, as a group, we really want to expand expungement until everyone can get their prior convictions expunged after you go a certain period of time without any arrest or any convictions. Um, expungement has <clears throat> has a way of giving people a new start and giving people new opportunities. Um, you had the instance in California where they actually had prisoners um, that were working the California wildfires. And those same prisoners that you know, fought bravely against those fires, would then come out of prison and could not actually get a job as a firefighter. I think that the governor might have uh, taken care of that so far, but um, we seek to expand expungement. And, and, And we have two justifications for that. One is that we can, we, we now all now are living in an opioid epidemic. And we see from the opioid epidemic that Um, there have been a a much more progressive stance on criminalizing addiction and there's more treatment available. There's uh, less harsh sentencing for people dealing with addiction. Well, in the 70s, 80s and 90s, there was also a drug epidemic. Um, While there was some treatment available, most of that epidemic was treated with mass incarceration. And we all know the statistics about, you know, America and its amount of people that's in prison per capita. Um, And so we want to provide not a cure, but a treatment for those same people who suffer from a drug epidemic and is coming out of prison. They now need to be given the opportunity to uh, 
they now need to be given the opportunity to have their records expunged and, and to re recoup and revitalize their lives after prison. Now, today we're going to be talking specifically about Senate Bill 61, which was introduced by Senator Brian Williams, and it is seeks to expand expungement in many different areas. And we're also going to be talking to Martin Hutchins, who is a lawyer for the Arch City Defenders, basically about what expungement is, how the law is set up right now, and how the law can be improved. Expungement basically as a law, the way that it's set up right now, it only allows you to expunge a certain amount of uh, prior convictions from your record. Um, and also there is a fee and you have to pay that fee each time for each um, conviction that you want to have removed. Well, most people, when they uh, suffer um, from the justice uh, system, they, they, they might get more than one conviction. They might get, you know, more than one conviction over a period of time. Um, Senate Bill 61 seeks to expand the amount of convictions that you can have removed. It also allows for you to be able to, if you reach a certain income level, to be able to have an expungement for free. And so these are the different things that we're looking at when we're looking at expungement expansion. We are seeking to expand it until, like I said, anyone who has a previous conviction and can go some length of time without having any arrest or any new convictions can go ahead and have that removed from their record and, and go on with their lives. Because we got to think about uh, people that come out of prison that are out of prison for 20 years still cannot get a residence themselves. People that come out of prison that have moved on with their life and want to get business licenses and do different things with their life and are denied that no matter how long they go without correcting themselves. And we ask, what is the point of rehabilitation if you can never actually gain back, you know, everything that you've lost? So, and so now we're going to have, uh, I'm going to introduce Mr. Tommy Waller. And, uh, we're going to have him explain because He's going to the whole expungement process in depth. We're going to have him explain what expungement did his life. Johnny? Well, thank you very well, uh, much for the introduction, Ms. Earl. Some of you may know me. I'm Johnny Waller Jr., uh, member here at Expo. And in 1998, I was convicted of possession of one sentence of two and a half to five years and additional 18 months. Uh, for my drug charges on my first offense. So I ended up in the penitentiary uh, when I was 18 years old. Um, <clears throat> and subsequently I was released on uh, parole uh, here in Missouri. And it was extremely difficult being on parole uh, in Missouri and having two felony drug convictions. I applied for 175 jobs, didn't get one of them. I tried to go to school and uh, that was very difficult. I wasn't eligible to get any Pell grants or any type of financial aid. I was incarcerated during the time that men are supposed to sign up at 18 years old for the selective service. Couldn't find an apartment or anywhere to to stay simply because I had a felony uh, drug conviction. So life was pretty rough. Um, at one point, 
I wrote to my mother and I had asked her to just go ahead and send me back to prison. I was, it was, I was having a very difficult time out here. I was struggling, no job, no education, all the things that I thought that I could do. Uh, when I got out, I was unable to do simply because of my criminal background. Um, and that lasted for nearly uh, two decades. Eventually, 10 years later, 10 years go past and I get a job and uh, I go. I eventually uh, work my way and get into school and do some other things. And I got a pardon from the governor, uh, from the governor, the secretary of state and the attorney general. Uh, they gave me a pardon and restored my gun rights. And and one would think that that was a triumphant moment, uh, but it absolutely wasn't. Um, Although I received a pardon and my gun rights back, um, I still, if you did a criminal background search, the two felony drug convictions still popped up. It just simply says pardon next to it. And we all know that as soon as an employer or someone from housing reads that, oh, well, you still got two felony drug convictions. They don't even see the pardon part. It's like, oh, you got two felony drug convictions then that pretty much, you know, cancels me out of either that uh, that apartment or that job that I was trying to get or uh, whatever the situation is. Um, turns out, though, a uh, couple of years go past expungement law. They come out with an expungement law and it kind of changed everything. And I ended up calling a lawyer one day. I read it. I read it online. I was really searching for something else. And, I just happened to run across it and read it online. And I called a lawyer friend of mine and uh, he was like, well, you know, give me $2,000 and we can try it. And so I paid him $2,000 and I ended up getting an expungement. So the day he called me back, right, he he, he um, got the court document, faxed it to or uh, emailed it to me. And uh, called me and he was like, hey, it's done. The, the court signed off on it. You're, you're no longer a convicted felon. And I, I sat there for a minute. And for the first time since I was 18 years old, I don't really want to tell y'all how old I am right now. But <laughs> the first time since I was 18 years old, uh, I actually felt like I had a choice in life. Like before it was, I'd, I'd get a job if somebody allowed it, or I'd move into an apartment if somebody allowed me to move in there, or you know somebody felt sorry for me or something like that. Was the only way to kind of move forward. But once I received that expungement, I just sat there because at this point I didn't have to check the box anymore. I didn't have to say I was convicted of anything. It was it was like a really beautiful moment, and then at I, I guess I'll go ahead and tell y'all at, at 40 years old, I'm sitting here thinking like, what am I going to do now? <laughs> I don't like, I've been a felon since I've been 18 years old. Like I've been checking the box since I've been 18 years old. Like I'm 40 years old. And what, like now life is full of possibilities before it was always the looming of the box, right? You go good job, have a great, got to check the box. Oh, get a high, uh, and I owned a business for seven years. I made a lot of money. I employed school kids. I went to go get a condo 
and I had to check the box. And at first, before I checked that box, they were like, eh, we'd like you to move in and you can have a top. And then I checked that box. They called me back like, yeah, we're sorry. <laughs> like we, we can't, we can't, we don't, we don't let in people who have felony convictions and drug convictions. So the expungement really changed the direction in my life. And as Latrell was speaking about earlier, um, people should not be perpetually punished in the United States. And that's what we're doing. Our system of incarceration is terrible. Um, the, the statistics from the, the Department of Justice special report is that 86% of people within a nine-year period go back or rearrested for some offense. And, you know, if if 86% of cars blew up or 86% of cell phones blew up or, you know, 86 or whatever failed, people would get fired. People would lose their jobs. But here we have a system where this is simply allowable and it's okay. And people should not be judged for the rest of their life for the mistake that they made on that one particular day, right? I played guilty and went to prison. I played guilty. I never said I didn't sell drugs. I did. I knew it was wrong. I went to prison and I did my time. That was required. Of me. I completed probation and parole. That was required. of me. I never asked to be civically dead, nor did I ask for this perpetual punishment by people, institutions, jobs or house. I didn't ask for that. I went to prison. I did my time. and That was it. And expungement allows somebody to reintegrate successfully back into life. And that's exactly what it did for me. That's exactly why I'll push for an expungement bill with the rest of my fellow Expo people. People deserve a second chance. America was built on second chances. That's how we got here. And so that's why this is really um, important. So now we do have um, a lawyer from the Art City Defenders, Mr. Martin Hutchins, that is here to speak about expungement and the way the current law is constructed, what can be changed, and what's good about Senate Bill 61. So, Mr. Hutchins, if you would speak a second for us about your knowledge in expungement. I appreciate it. Great. Thank you very much, um, Luttrell. And, and um, Mr. Waller, thank you um, very much for sharing your, um, your, your experience. Um, I, I am glad to hear that the experience you described um, gave you some of the benefits that you were seeking to reap from it. One thing um, that I, I like to point out about expungement um, is it's often put in, inside the framework of giving individuals um, a, a second chance. And this really, it's really a framework that I, I take a lot of issue with because um, once a person finishes whatever their sentence was, we are, we are all familiar with the phrase, you know, our debt, their debt to society has been paid. So at that point, there should be no need for a second chance. I think it's important to look at expungement as giving the state a second chance to correct the gross debt that people endure from a, a criminal record. Again, once your sentence is completed, your debt society is, is paid. Unfortunately, as we just mentioned, there's a perpetual punishment that follows with the criminal record. And again, expungement, though still super imperfect, it gives the state an opportunity to correct their mistake. One of the largest issues with expungement, and now I'm going to specifically speak to Missouri's law, um, once a person is successfully granted expungement, their criminal record is not totally destroyed. It's just 
sealed. So it gives a few exceptions and opportunities for that record to still be um, accessed, like looking for certain jobs. Like if you are trying to get a job on, on the casino, there's a certain license that you have to get. And if you have a record that's plunged, they have a right to see their record to work on the casino. But other jobs like working at a, a daycare or a health facility, those are all exceptions in which people can view um, the expunged record. Or if unfortunately a person faces another court case for another charge, once they reach the sentencing stage, the court and the prosecutor have a right to consider that expunged record. So again, expungement just means the record is sealed. There are a few states in which um, an expungement allows a record to be destroyed. Missouri just is not one of those states yet. Something that really hurt my soul in listening to Mr. Waller speak is he paid at least $2,000. And I say at least $2,000. I know he, he flat out said $2,000, but I'm sure he also didn't include the amount of time that he spent talking to his attorney. Mr. Waller's time is valuable. So although he didn't put a dollar amount on, on his time, that's time he, he didn't have with his family, time he didn't have towards working, and that matters. Um, I am in a position now to where my time is generally only my time. I, I don't have a family. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a single person with, with no children. However, I have a sister who has two kids. So the time that she isn't working is time that she's being a mother and developing her household and her children. But if she has to put time into going through the expungement process, that's valuable time that we often don't have. Um, so again, the, the monetary demands, like the $250 surcharge that Missouri requires, that's a lot of money for some people, especially, especially during the pandemic right now. And also another benefit that I appreciated that Mr. Waller had, he had the actual knowledge of expungement, meaning just being aware of it. There are so many people that are not only not familiar with the phrase expungement, but are unfamiliar that Missouri has such a process. And, if, and even if they do know that such a process exists, navigating that process is really intimidating. Anything in the court system can be intimidating. One, reading those laws, all laws are meant to benefit everyday people. If you read these laws, it doesn't seem like they're meant for everyday people to read them. And that also applies for expungement. So there are all of, the, all of these barriers that prevent people from taking advantage of expungement. Um, back in 2018, only 1,187 cases for expungement were filed in the entire state of Missouri. And only 387 from St. Louis. There are far more people that could benefit from expungement than 378 in St. Louis. And in 2019, the entire state of Missouri, there were only a, a little over 1,200 expungement um, petitions filed. And again, of that 1,200, 349 were from St. Louis. So there just aren't enough people seeking expungement. There should be way, way larger numbers of petitions being filed. And again, this just really goes to the lack of access and the lack of awareness of this process Another issue, which the Senate bill is looking to uh, mitigate a bit, there are 85 
maybe a little over 85, but 85 offenses that are flat out ineligible, meaning if you have this on your record, you, you can't consider expungement. So something I especially appreciate about the Senate bill is it removes two, two or three offenses. So now it's gonna only be about 82 offenses that aren't eligible. The number is still too high, but anytime we're reducing that number, that's a plus. Um, now this is gonna be specific to St. Louis and especially St. Louis County. There are more than 80, more than 80 municipalities. And this is the issue with expungement because as you're going through the expungement process, you have to detail information of your criminal record. It's so often that people don't really recall what's on their record. If you drive down St. Charles Rock Road, you're gonna hit at least three different municipalities. I myself, I'm, I'll be 32 very soon. Between the age of 17 and 19, you would think I was intentionally collecting tickets. I had a heavy foot. There's no way I can recall all the jurisdictions in which I had a ticket back then. Unfortunately, leaving something out can hurt an expungement petition. And again, it's very, it's very common for people to just forget about these tickets. But again, that'll hurt an expungement um, application. So I appreciate the Senate bill giving legal, um, legal aid organizations the opportunity to access the um, criminal record repositories um, system to give people information of their record. Unfortunately, if you go to CaseNet or Minicourt.net, those resources, I'm sorry, those, those are websites that you can go to look at um, court cases and um, tickets, et cetera. But those sites, although housed and managed by Missouri, they don't provide complete records. They're very inconsistent. And again, the inconsistency can be detrimental to an expungement petition. So these are all barriers that really prevent people from successfully um, reaching expungement once they even get to the point of considering expungement. Senate, I really appreciate the Senate bill for reducing the amount of offenses that are ineligible and giving those UA organizations um, a, a pathway to access records. Okay, Martin, thank you. Thank you for uh, joining us and taking time to um, explain your perception and, and, and give us that information about the current expungement. Um, could you um, tell us, Jeffrey Humble asked a question. He would like to know, how does one explain the gap in their work history credit history, et cetera. Okay, so thank you. I appreciate that question. Um, so as of, as of right now, um, those things aren't, aren't considered by the statute. Limited to expungement, that's not a worry um, to, to have. There's many worries to have with expungement, but credit and work history isn't one. However, providing information of a steady work history can be very helpful to show that um, you are a person that are busy in the community and it can just really go to the discretionary piece of, it, of expungement. There's a requirement in expungement in which the court just needs to consider does this person present um, overall as a one that's deserving of expungement and granting their expungement is in the benefit of the public interest. So showing a full work history can go to that discretionary piece, but again, it's not really required. Okay, thank you. And then I would like to ask you, what would you say is the, with the current uh, expungement process, what is the most challenging or uh, limitation that a person would have attempting to uh, get their record expunged other than lack of knowledge, knowing, you know, knowing that how many um, 
how many things are on the record that you can't get expunged? One, uh, thank you very much, because as you just asked me about that uh, specific um, th this specific question, it made me realize that my spill was more so my gripes about the expungement law. Um, I didn't really talk about each um, requirement. But um, to, to your question, um, currently you can only get one felony expunged. Only one felony expunged. It's so very rare that you're going to come across a person that only has a single felony. It's so very rare. And so it's almost like you have to try to find, and again, please pardon my lack of a better phrase, but like a cookie cut expungement applicant who only has one felony. Because if I have two felonies on my record and I get one expunged, I still I still have the scarlet letter of a of an elf of being a felon. So that's really the biggest, that's the biggest limitation um, and the biggest hurdle. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the answer. And then I wanted to ask you as well. Um, I believe you said something to the effect of the qualifications for unsealing a record. So um, are there other uh, places that are just normalized with um, unsealing your record? Um, because we said that, you know, it's not, your record is not expunged. It could be unsealed. So could you explain or just let us know about some of the other um, issues or circumstances where your record will would be um, unsealed? Thank, great. So um, uh, allow me to, um, I, I guess, clarify a, a bit. So once a person is granted expungement, their record is sealed. And so sealed just means there's no more public access to that person's criminal record. So if I'm if I have a conviction, a person can go to CaseNet and look up my name and, and see record of my conviction. Once I'm granted expungement, that is no longer um, available to the public on CaseNet or, or otherwise. However, there are situations in which the court allows certain individuals to access sealed records. And again, once you're granted expungement, your record is sealed. And so again, prosecutors um, and, and the court for the purposes of sentencing can access those sealed records. So those records remain sealed. It's just some people or some situations grant access to those sealed records. Again, looking for certain jobs, um, trying to take advantage of certain rights like gun rights, et cetera. Um, those are some of the situations in which a sealed record can be accessed. Especially with the licensure, there are about, there are more than 55 professions in Missouri that require um, a special license. And those special licenses give those entities access to sealed records. Okay, well, thank you, uh, Mr. Warren, for joining us and thank you for sharing some of your expertise, your knowledge base about this uh, important, important, important topic that we're discussing tonight. So we're gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and transition it back over to Latrell. Um, we are gonna go ahead and speak with Senator Brian Williams, uh, basically one of the main reasons that we are all here today. We definitely appreciate him for taking the time out on a Friday evening. <laughs> thank everyone. Um, so Latrell, you wanna go ahead and take it over from here? Sure, sure. And I'm just going to slide it to Mr. Brian Williams. He has introduced Senate Bill 61 concerning expungement that he's going to talk about, but also Senate Bill 60, which is a police reform bill. And we definitely want to hear from him about both of those bills. So, Mr. Brian Williams, you have the floor, sir. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, first, um, I want to thank you all. As, I, as we stated, it's a Friday evening. And, you know, these are really pressing issues that we really should focus on. I think there was some really good questions that was asked earlier for um, 
the, the speaker prior to me uh, addressing expungement, things of that nature. Um, for those that don't know me, I'm Missouri State Senator Brian Williams, uh, District 14. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with the demographics of the Senate District, uh, my district includes uh, 35 municipalities, um, goes roughly from um, Interstate 64, so from 40 north to the Missouri River. So um, it takes in municipalities like uh, University City, Ferguson, uh, Clayton, Ledoux, um, Kinlock, Berkeley, Hazelwood, Florissant, uh, some of the wealthiest communities in the state, as well as some of the more poverty-stricken ones. Um, it really forces um, us to really focus on an unprecedented uh, amount of disparities. And, and as you all know, uh, I-170 goes directly through my district uh, and that's, that's several municipalities where uh, folks um, clearly have been uh, uh, situations where they've been used as personal ATMs for uh, traffic citations. And uh, there's also have been um, a, a huge focus around um, not only just the Ferguson Commission report, but legislation that have addressed the predatory practices of in particular black folks uh, throughout the uh, region um, in North County being um, targeted by uh, law enforcement. Uh, when I was elected to the Missouri Senate, um, I was the first black man to be elected there uh, in two decades. And um, I currently serve as the assistant democratic leader in the Missouri Senate, the first to serve in leadership in two decades. Um, I think it was really important to make um, criminal justice reform and, and police reform a priority for me uh, as someone who grew up in Ferguson, uh, represents that community and know firsthand uh, that there are um, challenges that we face and, and as a black man, uh, the challenges that we face when it comes to uh, dealing with the subculture of um, the police officers um, and as well as departments uh, that, that tend to taint what I would consider an honorable profession. Um, Latrell, I wanna kinda, you know, uh, the gentleman before me, he kinda talked about expungement, which the Senate bill he was referring to, Senate Bill 61 is the bill that I, fired, um, I filed and I'm carrying in the Missouri Senate. Uh, we're really optimistic to get that across the uh, uh, finish line but I'm also focusing on uh, Senate Bill 60, which is a police reform bill, which is uh, one of the first um, um, bills of sweeping reforms uh, since the death of Michael Brown. Uh, this is the first time we've seen uh, legislation of this magnitude get to the point to where it can go into statute and go into law in the state of Missouri and ultimately be on the governor's desk at the end of the year. Uh, we're working through that process. Um, it's been a very challenging one um, I've dedicated the past year traveling throughout the entire state of Missouri, uh, going to places like Springfield, clearly Columbia, Jefferson City, Kansas City, and right here in St. Louis where we all live and reside. And uh, talking to uh, organizations um, like the NAACP, ACLU, activists uh, on the ground throughout the state, as well as members of law enforcement to figure out how do we not only tackle this subculture, but ultimately uh, build the trust in the community and, um, and move towards uh, what I believe is the very uh, foundation of public safety and that's, that's police accountability. Um, what Senate Bill 60 would do is it would uh, prohibit law enforcement from uh, using a chokehold unless uh, deadly force is authorized. It would increase the penalty to a classy felony 
for officers uh, and correctional staff who engage in sexual conduct with the person in their custody. And it also prevents officers who have been discharged from um, police departments for wrongdoing from simply moving on to another department. Um, it also addresses things like the Ratback program, which with real time uh, keep track of officers if they were to commit a crime, whether it's in the state of Missouri or beyond. Um, and then it would also um, address things like giving officers discretion when it comes to dealing with warrants. So for example, if um, a mom, my mom was single, uh, we're 19 years apart. And um, if she was driving and, and had uh, me as a child or, or as a baby in the back seat, and maybe clearly had a warrant uh, due to not being able to pay a traffic citation because she couldn't afford it, uh, it gives that police officer discretion to be able to um, give um, her another court date and ultimately uh, more time to, to pay that fine um, other than arresting her and, and clearly uh, putting her in jail. So, you know, we're really excited about the, um, the opportunities to, to really get these uh, bills through the Missouri Senate. You know, uh, in a perfect world, we'll have a governor and, and a majority party in the legislature who would uh, be willing to go even further. But I won't let a long journey stop me from taking uh, the first step. You know, these are good reforms that we can all get done this year uh, to save Black lives. We can ban chokeholds with this bill. We can stop sexual misconduct. We can stop departments from hiring bad apples with this bill. Um, I'm proud of the work we've accomplished and I look forward to seeing this bill, not only so we can save black lives, but we can also move our state and forward, um, our state and region forward when it comes to uh, not only reform, but police accountability in our communities. So um, I wanna stop there and uh, just take some questions and, and you know, clearly we could talk about criminal justice reform or if it's some other questions that you may have in the legislature or things that's happening on, on the, uh, local level, I'd be more than happy to talk about it. No problem. Thank you, Mr. Williams. And uh, I mean, one question that I have for you is this, does six, Senate Bill 60, does it do anything to address um, police training? Yeah, so the bill um, had language that would uh, address de-escalation training. Um, we have not figured out what would be an adequate amount of training uh, there's been proposals, um, some as such as a one hour training. We all know that's not enough. So um, we really want to work and try to figure out what would be an adequate amount of training. And um, that just would require us to a little bit more time that we just are not prepared for during the session. So, you know, we're going to continue to do some research and hopefully get to a place to come back and, and look at addressing training for police officers, um, primarily around de-escalation. Okay, so Eric Rare asks in the chat, uh, is it a goal to eventually make a way for all ex-offenders to have their records expunged in order for them to get back into society after a certain period of time? And then a second part to that question is, for instance, people like me have a legal background and would like to become an attorney. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the reason I'm carrying this bill is because, you know, we, we, we see that it's extremely important. Um, I don't know what was all stated before, but what this bill does is it and the intention of it is to make it not only easier to have your record expunged, but to also um, create an opportunity for folks who may have served their, uh, their debt to society to be able to re-enter uh, society and be model citizens, to be able to go back into the workforce and, and pursue any career that they choose to. And, and that's what this is about. 
you know, um, I've taken so many um, important steps around building a coalition, not only just around uh, criminal justice reform, but particularly expungement, uh, making it available for folks to have access to records, to cut through the red tape uh, for folks, uh, as stated before, that may have uh, committed a crime when they was a teenager and don't even remember exactly where they got the charge or what they was even charged for. The other side of that is um, creating an opportunity for uh, folks to be able to uh, re-enter back into society as soon as possible. We all know the the longer you go um, absent from the workforce or uh, doing what I would consider some of the most important years of your life as a as a as a professional and even a young professional, that that gap only hurts you. So eliminating the the period of time from someone being released uh, from from probation or, or supervised release and actually being able to get their record clear is extremely important. So that's what we're really focused on is uh, creating opportunities to um, allow folks to be able to go back into society and, and, and have a quality job and, and career, not only to support themselves, but their families as well. Thank you, Mr. Williams. We have uh, Mr. Jeffrey Humfeld who asks, is it realistic to expect the governor to sign the bill if it gets to his desk? Well, I would say this, um, you should look into my background. I don't play around. Um, when I work on bills, I focus on bills I truly believe can get across the finish line. And uh, one thing that you should expect, not only from me, but your, your elected officials, is to really dedicate time. We've traveled all over the entire state, talking with law enforcement, uh, getting to a place that we can agree on to get something done and ultimately come back every year and add teeth, continue to have one of the most comprehensive criminal justice packages done ever in the state and, and, and ultimately the country and allow Missouri to be first uh, for a chance in a good way and not a bad way. Um, I've been in several conversations with the governor. Um, the reality of it is Republicans and, and even the governor has priorities and our community have ours. And um, if their priorities are important to them, then they want me to figure out how to work with them around those. They have to work with me around these. And um, that's why we have a bill that's on a formal calendar and it'll be coming before the body any day. Now it's because we've been very intentional about uh, not only ensuring that we tackle this subculture of bad police officers, but we also make sure rec uh, Missouri recognize that at the end of the day, we need to protect black lives and we need to make sure that we are ensuring that bad police officers are not in the um, profession anymore. So the next question is from the trail. He is asking, is automatic expungement something that you are in favor of? You know, um, as a black man that grew up in Pendleton to a teenage mom, I know firsthand that everyone makes mistakes and our mistakes should not follow us for the rest of our lives. I think we should live in a society where if you make a mistake, you should get a second chance. And I believe if you pay your debt to society, you should be able to have a chance to go back into life, uh, back into society and have a quality job and a career and not be forced to go back to a, a, a life of crime, which we have been forced to in our communities just to survive. And uh, that's what I focus on every single day. Um, I'm 110 percent committed to it, not only because it's the right thing to do, but I know firsthand how difficult it is for our community and folks that look like me and you uh, to, to survive. And, and we have to have laws and policies in place that, that allow us to be able to be successful and not be uh, held back because of uh, the communities we come from or what we look like. 
Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Williams. So I have another question for you. Um, can a prosecutor use the sealed information as aggravation against persons in court? Well, no, because once this is expunged, you know, it's, it's, it's no longer uh, relevant to, to another case. But we're working close with the, um, with the um, Missouri as well as St. Louis prosecuting attorneys. And um, they've, they've been very supportive of expungement as well as police reform. And uh, they understand that we need to be focusing on keeping folks out of prison and not uh, promoting policies that's going to keep them in. So there shouldn't be any form of, of retaliation or, or even uh, intimidation due to the fact that someone who may have committed a crime and had that expunged. So I'm going to ask you, uh, well, it, well, it's not really a question. I would say if you could expound a little bit more on the officer's uh, discretion. So he will have the ability at the point of, of, of pulling over someone to get to give out another court date and not take that person in on the warrant that they have. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I represent a, a Senate district that has 35 municipalities. So if you're driving up I-170 um, through the through the center of my district, um, you all know there's there's several municipalities that you go through. So you can easily between uh, Olive Boulevard and, and 270 probably get anywhere between 12 and 14 uh, tickets from different municipalities. So um you know, we 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 want to make sure officers are, are working towards uh, building more of a community relationship. And there's a lot of officers that do recognize that they don't have to lock somebody up because they have a bench warrant. But they also are afraid that they can get potentially um, in trouble for not arresting that person, depending on what the leadership of that police department expects and what their policies are. So allowing that level of discretion, not only does it build the trust, but it also allows that officer to not have to lock somebody up for a traffic warrant when it's clear that a lot of these folks can't afford to pay them. So I don't think anyone should be going to jail because they're poor. I think we should be figuring out ways to keep them out and then ultimately giving them time to be able to get that handled. Now, clearly, you know, this isn't a situation where, you know, you get off on a warrant, you get another court date, and then you become, um, you know, this habitual person that, can, that, that misses court. But we want to do it for folks who, who may not be in a situation to take care of the situation for whatever it may be and give them a second chance to get it right. Okay, well, thank you so much, Mr. Williams. We appreciate you bringing us, uh, spending Friday evening with us and sharing with us about everything that you have, all these progressive moves that you have uh, from Missouri to propel criminal justice reform. And for us, people like myself, the people that uh, represent Expo to really get reacclimated back into life. So I appreciate that. And I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Latrell. Well, I do want to say one more thing before you go to Latrell. I do want to thank you all. And uh, remember, if there's any ideas, um, Rob from my staff is in the chat. He'll put our email information in there. So feel free to reach out, uh, stay plugged in, follow this bill. Let us know if it's some ideas you have that we can work on. And, and I want everyone to remember one thing. You know, um, you know I know that sometimes our, our country and our community seem deeply divided, you know, especially after this most recent election. But I, I, I still believe there's more that unites us than divide us. And, you know, as a state senator, I'm proud to represent every single one of you and, and not just uh, people in my district and not just people that voted for me. So, you know, public safety, police reform, helping former offenders uh, rebuild their lives should not be partisan politics. Uh, they should be common goals that we all share. And again, I'm thankful for what all you do. And, and I'm looking forward to continued partnership. Thank you very much, Mr. Williams. Very impressive. I appreciate it so much. And just to follow up on what he said about it being a nonpartisan issue, you know, the, the prison population is still out 
pacing population growth itself. Um, this is something that affects people in every corner of the state, uh, in every state in America. And so this issue is something that needs to be addressed as a systemic issue for every person, no matter what your political affiliation is, no matter what your color is. Um, mass incarceration <clears throat> was a mistake and we need to work against that system to correct that mistake. Now, I just wanna thank everybody for joining Expo tonight. <clears throat> I like to say that, you know, activism is politics with the election. Um, unlike, you know, some other uh, political bodies, we really don't have money to throw at our issues. Uh, what we do have is people and what we do have is passion. And when a group like us gets together and we want to throw our voices behind an issue like expungement, it's hard sometimes just because expungement is not something that's rah-rah, it's not something that is, uh, you know, uh, a soundbite is is very much a component of the system that we are working to counteract. But I just want to say that we must be diligent and vigilant in counteracting those very policies, those very mechanics of the system that disenfranchise people. Um, expungement is something that is a much needed tool. It needs to be expanded as much as possible because at the end of the day, uh, for all the people that are in prison, 80% of the people that are in prison um, get released. So um, Expo today is just calling on you to, to, to get involved, get involved by writing your representative and asking that they support Senate Bill 60 as well as Senate Bill 61. We ask that you tweet your representative, that you put pressure on your representatives to support the things that will make our society a better place. If you can't do that, uh, Expo is always willing to work with people. If you have talents, or you have different things that you wanna to contribute to Expo, you can get in touch with us by reaching us on Facebook at Facebook at Expo STL. You can also reach us at our email address, which is mcu-expo at mcustl.com. And you can also get at us at Twitter as well. Now also, if you can't join us with talents, if you're not ex-impacted, you can donate to Expo. You can become a sustainer and help us to keep the fight going. Um, a lot of times when um, we activists are working on the ground to push forward and push forward and push forward, um, the people that oppose us, that are for division and for oppression, they just sit back and throw their money at the problem. And they throw their money at the problem. We might even succeed one election cycle, but the next election cycle, if we back down, they're just going to throw more money at the problem. So we need to be vigilant and work against that. We cannot take a break. We cannot celebrate for one victory. We need to be vigilant and work against them. And that includes organizing people, organizing people's talents and enhancing people's voices and also organizing money. So please, everybody, just keep in contact with Expo through Facebook, through Twitter and Instagram and uh, get on our mailing list as well. So. I want to thank everybody for coming. Looks like we're a couple of minutes early, but I do appreciate Mr. Williams and Mr. Hutchins for their valuable information. I appreciate everybody who came and everybody in the Expo team who came and shared their voice today. Johnny Waller, especially. 
thank you very much, guys, and have a nice night.